Well, I told you so. Last Sunday, I said, don't let the warm fall fool you, that winter is coming, and now there's no denying it. Soon we will see Psalm 147 brought to reality. God spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blasts? Yeah, winter's on its way. And today we're continuing our short uh, series on Paul's second letter to his friend Timothy, the fourth chapter. Last week we heard how Paul pleaded with Timothy to come before winter and to bring Mark with him. People are the most important thing to have to face any challenge. And Paul is facing prison and winter and even possibly his execution. So he wants Timothy to come and see him. But he also wants Timothy to bring with him some things. Some items that he needs to face winter. So let's hear it again from the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful in serving me. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Paul asked for his coat, his cloak. He asked for his books, literally the scrolls, and he, and he asked for his parchments. Now, parchments are, are writing material uh, made out of animal skins, very expensive stuff. We don't know exactly what that's referring to. Maybe it's writing material for him to write on. Maybe it's uh, scripture scrolls, because they were written on, on parchment. But he wants his coat, he wants his books, and he wants his parchments. Is this what you would want if you were in jail facing a long, cold winter and possibly even your death? Would those be the three things that you would ask for? This week, uh, in fact, uh, today we have people from this congregation that are, that are in jail. Uh, they're in jail leading worship, as they do every, every other month. And I wonder if those men and women down at the Hastings Jail, if they could ask for three things to face this winter, what that would be. What would they be asking for? Or what about you? What do you need to be prepared for winter? For some people, preparing for winter is all about bringing in the harvest or putting up food. The corn and the beans are in the grain bins. The tomatoes and the pickles are canned and on the shelf. Or maybe in your setting, the pizzas are in the freezer and the Oreos are on the shelf and you're all set. You're prepared to face the storms of winter. In Proverbs 6, the, the Bible tells us, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. Still they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Stopping, stocking up on food is one way that people get ready for winter, and ants too. But for me, a surer sign that winter is coming 
is putting together an emergency kit for my car. In the, in the summer, it winds up somewhere in my garage. But as the winter approaches, I make sure to, to have the things in my car that I may need in case of an emergency. Years ago, one of my kids made that kit in school. And it has hand warmers and uh, chocolate bars. Those aren't the same ones they gave me years ago. But uh, <laughs> chocolate bars and flashlight and scarf and, uh, and gloves, all the things that, that you might need. Now, they would never carry one in their own vehicle. They say, Dad, we have a cell phone. We can just call if we need it. But I've been on too many roads where I've had no reception. And I don't trust that I'm going to be able to, to get help in a minute. And so I always put the emergency kit in the car. And not only the emergency kit, but a small shovel, an extra pair of boots, even a sleeping bag. That's what I need to feel ready for winter. And even if you do none of that, even if you don't stock up on food and you don't prepare your vehicle, I bet you at least had to dig your winter coat out of the back of the closet. This is, uh, this is it, folks. We're going to need it. And unless you're 15 years old, the days of leaving house without a coat are over for this year. In fact, <coughs> a coat is one of the things that Paul asked Timothy to bring him before winter. Remember, he said, bring my coat that I left with Carpus at Troas. Now, Roman winters aren't like Minnesota ones, but it gets cold enough. High maybe around 50, low at 30 or below. And if you're in a cold, damp prison, you're going to be pretty miserable without a coat. Besides, a coat might double as the only blanket that you have. In Exodus 22, God commands people to be compassionate and not to keep someone's coat overnight. It says, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? And when they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. Sometimes we think that God is only concerned with spiritual things. But for God, there is no distinction between physical need and a spiritual need. God knows that we need it all. Remember what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6? He says, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that you need those physical things, food, drink, a warm winter coat. That's why some churches sponsor coat drives in the fall. God is concerned with our physical needs, and so are God's people. A week ago in Brooklyn Park, the Salvation Army Church was supposed to have a free coat giveaway, but you may have seen it on the news. Somebody broke in the night before, piled some of the coats on a pew and set them on fire, caused thousands and thousands of dollars in damage, and all the coats were ruined, if not by the fire, by the smoke. But they were undeterred. The word went out, and the church collected coats again. Because winter is coming, and people need them. 
God knows and cares for our physical needs. So whatever you need to do to get ready for this winter, whether it's an emergency kit for your car, stocking up Oreos on your shelf, or simply getting your winter coat out, do it. Because time's a-wasting, and winter is coming. But don't focus only on the physical. Jesus says God knows our physical needs, but he adds, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Paul wants his coat, but he also wants his books and his parchments. Now, he doesn't mention the title of the books that he wants, but I'm pretty sure it included the Bible. And maybe that's what the parchments is a reference to, the very expensive kind of writing material the scriptures were made of. Maybe that's all he was referring to when he says, bring my books and my parchments. It's his books of the Bible. Last week I told you how my former pastor preached on this fourth chapter of 2 Timothy every fall. It must have been his favorite passage. But I'm more partial to to chapter 3 of this letter where it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I can't imagine that Paul, who values the scripture so much, would ask for books and not include the good book. So you can prep and get your car ready in case you slide off the road. You can stock your cupboards and be ready in case there's a blizzard. You can get out your winter coat and be ready for this cold weather. But you're not really ready for winter. You're not really ready to meet the Lord if you don't make some kind of plan to dig into the good book. Some kind of plan to spend some time reading from God's word. You know, listen to what the the Psalms say about about how valuable God's word is and how beautiful it is to spend time with it. Psalm 1 says, God blesses those people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in sneering at God. Instead, they find happiness in the teaching of the Lord. And they think about it day and night. They are like trees growing beside a stream, trees that produce fruit in season and always have leaves. Those people succeed in everything they do. And then in Psalm 19, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair, They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. And Romans 15, 4 says simply, And the scriptures are written to teach and encourage us 
by giving us hope. Do you need hope to be ready for winter? Do you need some encouragement this fall? It's found in the scriptures. My father suffered from SAD. Familiar with that acronym? Seasonal Affective Disorder. And SAD is, uh, is a condition where the reduced amount of sunlight triggers a depression as fall moves in to winter. <clears throat> and it's not the kind of depression that you got this week when at 5 o'clock you looked out and it was already dark and you say, oh, this is depressing. No, no, sad is, sad is something that's a much deeper depression. It causes a darkness of the mind and the spirit. Life becomes a struggle. Joy becomes impossible. And it's hard to get motivated to do anything. In all likelihood, some of you experience sad every winter. And there's only one real cure for this mental darkness. And that's light. So you can tough it out all winter and just wait until spring comes and the days get long again. Or you can fly off to Australia where it's already spring. Or you can sit under a special high-intensity indoor light to give you the light that you're missing from the sun. But you need light. My dad needed light to face the winter. And Paul did too. But the kind of light that he asked for is the light of God's word. As Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So Paul writes Timothy and he asks for his scriptures. Paul is facing winter in jail and possibly even his own death, but he is still reading, he's still learning, he's still writing and turning to God's word for encouragement and hope. So what about you? You found your winter coat. At least I hope you did. But have you, have you made a way for you to get into God's word this winter? How are you going to find the time to do some Bible reading? Now maybe you're going to get on one of those uh, uh, Bible reading plans that spells out a, a reading for every day, and that's great. Or maybe you use the upper room or uh, daily bread those devotionals that are on the, on the stand out by the door because they've got a scripture for every day and, and somebody's reflection on it. It's a way to, to keep the light of God's word shining every single day. Or, or maybe it, it's a Bible study that you're going to join. Or you're going to put that Bible app finally on your phone so that you have that popping up every day and you have a scripture for a day and you have a way to dig in deeper. Whatever it is, I encourage you to find a way to bathe in God's light. Just like my dad needed, needed light in order for his spirits to be lifted, for him to have hope and encouragement each winter. We all kind of need that with the scriptures. And so how are you going to find time? How are you going to make time to bathe in the light of God's word? Paul undoubtedly want, wanted his his Bibles, his Bible books when he asked. But perhaps he's asking for some other books as well. You know, there are, there are good books in addition to the scriptures that can, 
can give us encouragement and, and help us. They're not in the same levels of scriptures, but they too can, can guide us. You know, Paul actually, as he sat there in prison, is writing a book, writing a book of the Bible. He's writing scripture here in this letter to Timothy. But he may also be referring to some additional books. So, so maybe in addition to the Bible this winter, you might want to pick up a book um, that would help you in your Christian walk. Maybe it's a devotional book, or, or maybe it's a book about uh, one of the, the great Christians of the past. There's, uh, there's one of you here that borrowed my book of 52 sermons of John Wesley recently. Um, there are books like that. There are biographies, and, and there's things that, that people have written that can be helpful. So maybe this winter, you want to to read a book that'll help you. Seth Johnson, our band leader, he was inspired by reading a book, Another Man's War, the true story of one man's battle to save children in Sudan. It was written by Sam Childers, known more by his nickname, Machine Gun Preacher. And a movie came out about, about his life 10 years ago or so, the machine gun preacher was a violent criminal biker gang member who gave his life to Christ and then risked everything to save orphan children in the Sudan, many of whom their, who had their families slaughtered and they were turned into child soldiers by the ironically named Lord's Resistance Army. I'm reading the book about the machine gun preacher, and his life and watching that movie moved Seth so much so that when an opportunity came for him to, to hear Machine Gun Preacher through a Zoom seminar, Seth signed right up. And either by coincidence or by God's work, there was only a handful of other people who signed up for this seminar with a machine gun preacher, and their mics didn't work. And so it was basically a one-on-one -on -one time with Seth and the machine gun preacher. And so they talked, about, they talked about ministry, they talked about their lives, they talked about this church, they talked about our youth group that Seth has been helping out with. And, and Seth said, what would it take to get you to come to Hastings and to, and to talk at, at Resurrection, especially to, to talk with our youth? And the machine gun preacher said, well, not much. Turns out that he's from Minnesota. He still has family here. And he said, I left Minnesota a thug. I'd love an opportunity to return and do something good now. We're working on having him here sometime after Christmas. Seth is so excited, and I'm excited too. And it all started with reading a book and watching a movie. So maybe that's where it'll start with you. Maybe in addition to the scriptures, there's, there's another book, another Christian book that will, will inspire your life. Or maybe it's a video that you're going to have. Paul, when he was facing that long winter in prison, he wanted his coat and he wanted his books and his parchments. So what do you need? What do you need to face this winter? We're not in jail like Paul, but come January, it can feel like that in Minnesota. 
So what are you going to need? I think Paul has the right idea. Take care of your physical needs. They're real. God knows you need things. And more importantly, take care of your spiritual needs. Make sure that you don't fall into spiritual sad this winter. Soak up the light of God's word. Read some inspiring books. You don't need to go to Australia to get some light. You can't have it right here in God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what do you need to do to be prepared for winter this year? Let's pray. God, your word is a lamp and a light for our path. Thank you for what you've given us in the good book. May we find, no, may we make time for your word this winter. May we turn to it for hope and encouragement, for guidance, for blessing, for it is sweeter than honey. God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Scriptures. And thank you for giving us what we need each day, whether it be the coat that we have, the food that's on our table, the friends around it, and most of all, your love reaching us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen.